0: Welcome to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. Our mission is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. One of the ways we do that is through the preaching of God's word, centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's this week's message. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open those up. We'll start uh, Acts 13 and and maybe start in chapter 12, verse 25. Uh, But I wanna let you know kind of what we're doing. So we're in the middle of a series. We're week five in a series called uh, The Mission. And kind of the tagline for this series is uh, really what the mission of God is, what the purpose of the church is. Uh, And it is to love God, to love people, and to reach uh, the nations, to love God, to love people, and to reach the nations. And so... um, what we've been talking about uh, are each week we share at least one, today I have two, uh, missions convictions, and, and what a conviction is, is something we believe strongly, and so this series is kind of laying out for you, well, what do we believe about missions and, and reaching the nations, and we want to be uh, focused and not scattered on what that is, so if you're taking notes, uh, write this down, I've got two things to share with you, number one, the local church is responsible for mobilizing and sending missionaries. Hear that again. The local church is responsible for mobilizing and sending missionaries. What we're gonna see today is that uh, the, the church at Antioch uh, took on that and, and they took it upon themselves to be the senders. The second thing I want to uh, share with you today, we have the mission's conviction that prayer is a major priority for missions. We believe that prayer is a major uh, priority for missions. And so I'm excited to dive into the word today. Join me uh, starting in Acts chapter 12, verse 25. We'll read uh, to uh, chapter 13, verse three, pray. Let's hop in and see what the Lord has for us. So it says this, it says, when Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. Mark. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Now, listen, verse two, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Church, let's pray. Father, as I've read your word, Lord, God, I thank you for its power. God, I thank you for uh, worship today and and us being led so well into it. Uh, God, I I thank you for um, so much. God, I thank you that you are a loving father, Lord, that you're a good father. And uh, God, thank you that um, you proved that by sending uh, Jesus to the cross. And, and God, I just pray right now, uh, as I minister the word, I pray that you would help me. And I know I, I need you for that. And God, I pray that you would open up our hearts and our ears and our minds uh, to hear what you wanna say to us through your word. And God, I do thank you for its power and its truth. So God, I ask that you would move and work in this time. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. All right, so uh, talking about being a dad, one of my favorite summertime uh, pastimes or, or joys uh, is to take my kids to the creek fishing, okay? And I, I love it. Um, it's incredibly dangerous and it's fun. Uh, you know, we, we get out there, we wade in the creek, we walk around, and, and man, we catch red and there's just something about a stream of flowing water and about a pound red coming out of that creek. I mean, it just me up, And so one of my bucket list items is I want to go uh, to North Georgia and I would love to go trout fishing uh, in one of their rivers or creeks. And if you've ever seen it, man, the, the, the water just looks beautiful. It's really clear and it's just this scenic, uh, beautiful place to go and to catch fish. Well, the reason why that water up there in North Georgia uh, is, is clear and clean and a good place to be is because that water is moving, all right? And, and so rivers is consistent, moving water, always, and it just keeps things fresh and healthy. Well, I was looking this up, and on the, the, the flip side, what a reservoir is, is an artificial, that means man-made body of water that is to just store up water right? So, so a reservoir has very little moving water into it, and it's just a place to kind of hold water. And if you've ever been to a reservoir or maybe a man-made pond that does not have fresh water moving into it, man, that sucker gets nasty, right? Uh, moss is going to grow in it, and, and what's going to happen to that water, it's going to become stale stagnant, and it's, gonna, it's just going to kind of um, um, kill off life, right? In, in the flip side, but the river has consistent moving water. I say that to say of, listen, God always designed the local church to be a river, not a reservoir. Hear that again? That God always designed the church to be a river, not a reservoir. And, and we see this throughout church history. We see this in the book of Acts. Of, of, There was always meant to be, the church was always meant to be a movement of people living on the mission of God. Living for the mission of God. In fact, I would back this up. If you're taking notes, write this down. The Spirit of God pours out on the church that's sending people and focused on the mission. The, The local church, the Spirit of God will pour out on the church that is consistently a movement of people, sending people out and focused on the mission. Uh, There has been throughout church history great moves of God. God has poured out his blessing and poured out his spirit. And the minute the church forgets where the spirit of God comes from and what the spirit of God is for, God will take his hand off the church and it will die. Just look throughout church history. And so uh, I'm really excited to share today uh, uh, kind of what it looks like. And so um, to give a little context so we can understand uh, this passage, uh, I want to let you know what's going on here and that we can learn from the church of Antioch and kind of where I'm going in the message of what can we learn from a sending church. What can we learn from the church of Antioch for it being a ascending church? But before we dive into that, I got to let you know this cool story, uh, and it kind of hits on prayer and worship, the importance of it. So, so the, the writer of Acts is a guy named Luke, and Luke is really setting something up for us, because in chapter 12, before we got to our passage today, uh, this, this man named Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, he was out there living on mission living for the the glory of God and the power of God. And so um, Peter is already on the mission field, living sent, being a movement, being a mover and shaker for the kingdom of God. And then all of a sudden, this Roman leader named Herod, uh, throws Peter in prison. And the reason why he does that is that Herod began to round up Christians and imprison them, and he found that it met the approval, key word, it met the approval of the Israelites. Okay? So this one guy is living for the approval of people. He takes Peter, and he throws him into prison. Now, now here's the deal, and this is what I want you to know today. It says, early, it says in that passage, Peter was thrown in prison, but the church was earnestly praying. All right, so so the, the church and Peter, they're praying, they're seeking God, and the power of God responds, and this miraculous thing happens that an angel of God visits Peter's cell and breaks open the cell. All right, so, so we see these people hungering and desiring for God in this place of prayer, this place of worship, they're interceding for this man that's living on the mission of God, and guess what? God shows up and does a miraculous, miraculous thing. And, and, it, and it goes on down where Peter is freed, the church rejoices and celebrates this church on mission. And then Herod, this man who wants nothing to do with God, that is, that is shutting God out, uh, in the very next scene of chapter 12, he begins to give a speech to the people, all right? And, and the people begin to voice, oh man, I'm not listening to the voice of a man, this is the voice of a God. And so Herod is speaking, and right there in a moment, God strikes Herod down. And it finishes out, and it says, and the word increased mightily. So, so what is the common denominator here? God loves to move amongst the people who are seeking him in prayer and worship. He, he loves, if you draw near to him, he loves to draw near to us. And man, I've just had this fresh time with the Lord this week of just being reminded of that, that it's not about, hey, just doing all the right things or having the right strategy. It's about coming to the place of desiring to meet with God, this place of prayer, this place of worship. And if we do that, man, God loves to be with us. And so I want to dive in today and again, kind of where we're going here is I wanna show you what ascending church looks like. So number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. Ascending church is devoted to worship and prayer. Sorry, that's gonna be the second point. Here we go. Uh, ascending church is devoted to worship prayer and prayer. So, so why are we picking Antioch? So Antioch, to understand Antioch being a sending church, we have to know what's been going on in the church. So uh, Jerusalem was the first church, all right, and then uh, God moved in an incredible way, and then persecution broke out. So they were rounding up Christians. Uh, a guy uh, got martyred, and so the church was forced to scatter, not necessarily by choice, but out of necessity because of persecution. And so what happened is uh, Jerusalem was the central hub. Well, now kind of the hub of the church is now in a place called Antioch. And what's critical here is that Antioch is not sending out of necessity. They're sending out of a desire and a choice to obey God. Hear that again. Their sending is not out of persecution, but they're sending is because they desired God God said to set apart and sin, and they wanted to obey, right? Um, and, and so we see an incredible story uh, playing out here. And so, um, so the, the sending church being devoted to worship and to prayer. Uh, I, I want to let you know something. And maybe you grew up this way. Maybe uh, you grew up in a form of Christianity that was, hey, this is the good person you are to be, and these are the things that you are to go and do, then God may hopefully one day love you. That is not Christianity. Listen, take this with you. Christianity is all about relationship. It's all about having a relationship with God. That This mission has been, uh, this series has been all about, hey, we're called to go, we're called to spread the gospel, we're called to plant churches amongst the unreached, Uh, we're meant to be that river. But listen, we'll never be the river until uh, that vertical relationship with God is solid. Somebody needs to hear this today. God doesn't want something from you, God wants you. That's why he sent Christ Jesus to the cross, And our obedience will flow from that place of intimacy with God, right? And and man, you'll notice that this church, they didn't come up with a good idea, but when they were in the place of prayer and worship and dependency on God, God showed them what to do. And so it begins with intimacy and and worship. I, I think about it, and if you're taking notes, write this down. Talking about missions, it'll never happen horizontally until we're in the presence of God vertically, In fact, I would say it like this. Missions is fueled by presence much more than ambition. Missions is fueled much more by presence, being in the presence of God, than ambition to go and to do things for God. I'll think about it like this, and this is the the importance of fathers today. And man, I'm grateful God's called me to this ministry, but what I'm doing today is my second ministry. My first ministry is to my family. And dads, I want you to hear that, uh, that you're, you're, you're not a teacher who happens to be a dad, you're a dad who happens to teach. You're, you're not a, a, a lawyer or a, a worker in, in some company, you're a dad who happens to work at that place. Because see, here's the deal you're, even if you were to send out to be a missionary, you're not a missionary that happens to be a Christian. No, you're a son and a daughter of God who has been sent out on the mission. You see the difference? I wanna share, and I just wanna give my, my dad some, some honor today. Man, God gave me an incredible father. And, uh, and, and the, more, the older I grow, I, I look back and reflect, and as I have my own kids, I grow in my appreciation for him. I feel like I understand things now that I didn't understand then. You see, my dad, um, he's a lot like me. He's a go-getter. And uh, man, he was a very successful coach. He, he coached multiple sports. He was an athletic director. He loved it. He, he, he always just impacted lives. And it's just this incredible man. Well, when I turned one, he finished, he won a state championship in basketball. And he made the choice to withdraw some things he was doing and was good at to make margin to invest in me, and, and I can remember growing up in my life, he was just always a presence. He was always a supporter. He 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 uh, he he led me to to do things. And so one of the things that we did a lot together was was athletics. And you know when I wanted to go and compete and perform, one of the reasons I think I could do that well is because I knew uh, my dad had my support, and he he helped me. He was there for me. And so one of the best memories of my life was uh, growing up in athletics, I actually got to win a state championship at at my home gym in front of my crowd, uh, in front of my home crowd. And the first thing I did, I threw my headgear up in the air and I went and jumped into my dad's arms. And it was just a culmination of all these moments of him being with me, taking me to camp, investing in me. Listen to me, that is who God is to you and one day, jumping into his arms, that's what heaven will be like. It's the presence of God. It's that he, he's here for you. He desires to walk with you. He desires to lead you through life. And listen, I'm thankful for a dad, but listen, the best dad on the planet is a shadow of our heavenly father. That that he is the ultimate dad, the perfect dad, and and he's the one that created the the, the word father, and he is the one that instituted this familial relationship. And I want you to know uh, that he loves you, and he's for you. And so we see that one, that missions, a church that's gonna be ascending church, uh, is is first of all, worshiping God, praying God, fostering intimacy, but now vertically, I want to talk about the power of prayer, the power of prayer. Has anybody learned that prayer is powerful? So so we're seven years old as a church, and I can tell you, all right, without the shadow of a doubt, no matter what you want to do for God, you you can have a great worship team. You can have the best preacher on the world. You can have the best systems, the best strategy. And at the end of the day, if God don't breathe on what you're doing, it ain't going to work that God does not move through great methods, he moves through surrendered men and women. And so uh, imagine for a second that we're talking about going to plant amongst unreached people groups, how much do we need God to move in an area that has been captivated by darkness, a a, a religion or or, or spirits that that have never, like I said, a place where people had never heard the name of Jesus. I want to give you an example of this. Um, We actually have a missionary on the field uh, ministering to uh, a people group in in a certain part of the area. I can't say it, but they're under this umbrella of what's called the Hmong people group. And so through thousands and, and through generations and generations, the Hmong people group are what's called tribal animists. And so what that means is, is that they consult what's called a shaman. It's kind of like a a, a mediator between the physical world and the spiritual world. And they consult the shaman to consult the spirits to protect and take care of them. So for instance, like if one of our children get a headache, we're going to go get Advil. Well, in their context, they live in such fear that they're going to go and pay the shaman and the shaman's going to talk to the spirit world to heal your child. You kind of see all the dark influence and how you, if you don't know anything about the true God, the one God, the word of God and Jesus, that's all you know. And so imagine going to plant a church among these people group, learning their culture and praying for God to break through and to, to really change this way of thinking. Right? And prayer is really, really critical. So what happened was there was a local church, just like yours and mine, who God felt like this was their people group, that they were gonna send a missionary to share the gospel here. Well, what they began to do is they began to worship and pray for the Hmong, pray for the Hmong, pray for the missionaries, all right? And and so, how this story goes is on the other end, while they were praying, these shamans that would consult the spirit world, and again, the the spirit world's real, there's a a, a lot of the demonic and and spiritual forces that are dark, and these same spirits, they had consulted for their whole lives, they just began to withdraw. Like, Like, they would go and pray, And then all of a sudden, like the the spirits were moving away and they were so confused. They're like, what is happening? And in their visions, there was a a man of light that just kept showing up and they they were so confused. They said, man, our, our ancestors have never told us about this light and they didn't know what it meant. And so when the missionaries got on the ground and then they shared the gospel with these shamans, they said, that's him. This is the man we've seen. This is the man we've been seeing in visions. And guess what? Among the Hmong people group, guess who the first people who got saved were? The shamans. The shamans came to faith in Christ and then it, revival spread throughout the people group. Prayer is essential for the mission. Prayer is essential for the mission. And so uh, we, we see that. And for us to be... An intentional sending church prayer is really powerful. If you're new to church, I want to give you a good verse to take with you to remember this. James five sixteen, 16, uh, this is what God's word says. It says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now listen, the prayer of, the, of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And, and I'm telling you, just on the end of, of coming into new territory, wanting to plant a church that didn't exist That word is true. God can do exceedingly and abundantly more than what we can conjure up or what we can do in our own effort and merit, right? So what I want you to take with you today, um, one, I want to talk about prayer. If you don't know how to pray or maybe you're new to it, there are a ton of great resources out there, uh, but I would tell you fostering a prayer life is one of the most critical things you can do as a Christian, and, and but based on this series, how do you want us praying or what does it look like to pray? I want to give you three things. Number one, before you pray, four things. Pray asking for intimacy with God. Just to get to know God. Like uh, Carly and I, man, she she's my wife and we have a relationship because we talk and, and, and listen to each other. And we're growing in that relationship because we're communicating. Listen, that's what God wants with you as he wants to talk and communicate. So before we begin to pray horizontally, begin to learn how to pray vertically, praying for innocent God. Second thing about prayer I want you to hear, uh, pray for direction in your life. Pray for direction of what is God calling me into? And this whole series has been about the mission, the where and the what and the how has God called me to play uh, a part. And then number three, I want you to begin to foster a prayer life for the nations. We just heard in this story how God has moved in that. So begin to foster a prayer life for the nations. And if you're not in a connect group, I would encourage you to be in one. But what you'll notice if you are is we've been tagging a people group at the bottom of our connect group guides. And it's just a chance for you to begin to engage in the nations and what God's doing in the world. And so prayer in that is so very powerful. Now, I want you to read. I want to pick back up in the text. Let's start in verse 25. I want to work my way down. I want to show you something. So it says, when Barnabas and Saul, all right, had finished their mission... They returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. So, so very important, I want you to show you. Barnabas and Saul were already out on the mission field. They weren't sitting still. They were already living on mission, and now they were returning uh, from Jerusalem to Antioch. Now, verse 1. Now, the church. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean who had been brought up with Herod. Uh, the Tetrarch, and Saul. So this this is a plurality of leaders. There was a multiple group, and they were diverse. Most people believe, and it's almost a certainty, that Simeon was African, right? And so uh, there were some Jews, there were Gentiles, there were uh, Africans. So there was a plurality of leadership. And we've already talked about how much God loves diversity, And so in this sending church, there was diverse leadership and there were men, verse two, that were worshiping the Lord and fasting. And then the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Um, and, And verse three, so after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The second thing I want you to see today, Ascending church obeys the leading of the Holy Spirit. Ascending church obeys the leading of the Holy Spirit. So if you haven't figured this out, God is a genius. (laughs) It turns out he knows what he's doing. And so if you're new to some of this, or you're new to, well, but what is fasting, pray in the Holy Spirit? Well, uh, first, let me just share. the Holy Spirit, all right, uh, is the power of God living in us to help us do what we could not do on our own. And so if you've ever tried to be a Christian by just becoming a better person, coming to church and not cussing too much, uh, you'll learn very quickly that that does not work, right. Because what we learn is that we come into the world spiritually dead, so that means we're unable to live a life pleasing to God. That's why so many people's story is, hey, I started reading the Bible in Genesis, read a little bit, went to church, tried to fix my mistakes, didn't work, Christianity's not for me. That's a lot of people's story. Because it's not about you doing enough to be loved by God. It's about you understanding you can't surrendering and receiving God's salvation. And at the moment you do that, God imparts to us the Holy Spirit. And and who the Holy Spirit is, is God himself living inside of us. He is the one that helps us live a life by faith that we have now learned, I can't do this apart from him. I mean, it just makes sense. He's a genius. Uh, We can't do it. So God puts his helper in us to help us live a life we know we couldn't. Um, And so these men are worshiping and fasting. Now, fasting is just withholding from food for a set amount of time to draw close to God in prayer, to desire to hear from him and hear from uh, him in direction for the church. And so, uh, again, what makes this ascending church is that they weren't sending out of necessity. they They were sending by decision that the Holy Spirit made it clear, hey, you guys, we want you to send people, and they placed their hands on Saul and Barnabas, and they sent them off. It kind of sounds familiar. Doesn't doesn't it make sense when we pray and fast, God speaks and puts us on mission? (laughs) Who would have thought it? We pray, God, what do you want us to do? Go live on mission. It it, it sounds familiar. I want to remind you of Acts 1-8. Read it with me. It'll be on the screen. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. All right? So, so the power of God, the presence of God, and this is what it's for. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So remember, this is so very important. The power of God is given to you for witness. Witness. Well, what does a witness do? If you like me, I got a good track record watching some Law and Order, son. I got this one. Uh, a witness sits on the stand, and he testifies to what he has seen and heard. So it's simply, we receive the power of God to, to go out and tell people about Jesus. Where? Jerusalem, that was the city they're in. Judea, that was the nation. Samaria, the next nation over. The ends of the earth. The entire world. And so when they begin to seek God, God put them on mission and showed them where to go. Now, I I had a, uh, a, a great, I have a great discipleship meeting every week with a guy, man, we're, we're just getting in, and it's really, really good. And, uh, and if you're not involved in a connect group, disciple group, I can't, I can't tell you enough that it's gonna change your life. But we were just talking, and we were contemplating the question many people ask, and maybe you've asked it before, what does God want me to do with my life? And a lot of times, Lord, who do you want me to marry? God, where do you want me to live? God, what what job should I have, right? And I think a lot of us have been gripped with these questions, and and he and I are about the same age, and we were just talking about, a lot of times the dreams we have when we were younger and teenagers, we step into this part of life, we get into work, and we get into the, the meat of life, and it just didn't turn out how we thought it would. Everybody felt that way before? And and we begin to ask these questions. Well, maybe I I married the wrong person or maybe I selected the wrong job. Where did I go wrong? And so these are valid questions and I think all of us deal with those. But I want you to hear me. I think the reason we struggle so much with God's unrevealed will of those things is that we aren't walking in his revealed will of things. What I mean by that is I can't tell you all the answers of the where the why the where the why and the how but what I can tell you God created you for a relationship with him and a mission to go and make disciples. Like that is revealed. So If we seek God, you're called to do that, to go and to be. And man, what I believe is this, when we begin to take steps into his revealed will, he will begin to give us clarity into his unrevealed will. Right? It just seems like everything else lines up when we begin to get on the tracks that he lays out in scripture that are ultimately right there in front of us. Amen? I want you to take this with you. God can't steer a parked car. God can't steer a parked car but when we let the Holy Spirit give us the keys and crank up the ignition and we we press gas to go, God will steer us where he wants us to go in all the details. And I want you to know in the grand scheme of what God's doing in the world, all those things are details in your life, but they will not bring you joy and satisfaction. But he will. So God can't steer parked cars and, and this is a word, this is for somebody here today. and I want to encourage you and love you in this. I want to pick out just a little detail. So the Holy Spirit said, all right, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. So, so God gave clarity and insight into Barnabas and Saul, but I want you to notice that they weren't just sitting on their can twiddling their thumbs. They were out on that mission field, Right? They were living in their context, living on mission, and then God gave them greater, greater clarity of where and what he wanted them to do, right? And, and so um, he said, set apart. Now, what set apart means is like, hey, there is a, I'm separating you out of this fellowship. We're placing hands on you, and there is something specific we believe God has called you to. Now, listen, this is for somebody here today, Right. Some of us, we need to separate from some things before we can do the things God's called us to do. Hear that one more time. There's some set apartness. Some of us need to separate from some things in our life, whether it be sin, people, whatever, to be in the posture to be useful to God. And he doesn't do it because uh, he wants to take anything from you. God wants to give his best for you. And what he's saying is, man, these things you're holding on to, it, they are keeping me from my best for your life. I want to send you. And I can tell you from, from living in the things that, that, that held me back for so long, and when he calls you to take a next step, to step through a door, to separate from some things that we know are sin, that we know are dragging us down, it can be so scary. It's like stepping through a door and stepping into a room we've never been in before. And why we're afraid is that we're very familiar with this room. We don't know what God's calling us to on the other side. But listen, I want to tell you, the minute you open that door and step in, you find a life better than anything you left behind in this door. It's, It's a better plan for you, for God's glory, and you're good. He loves you, man. And he has good intentions for you. And don't let things keep you from walking in God's best for you. I kind of just give you a secret. That process of God illuminating things in our life and him calling us to separate, it never ends. (laughs) Man, I'm telling you, this week, God's just reminded me of, there are now some areas of my life and some things he is calling me to separate from to bring me in to his purpose and plan for my life. And man, I've been trying to do this 12 years or so, following Christ, and and man, every time when he calls us to separate and step into something, there's blessing and favor and God's glory on the other side. So I wanna encourage you with that. And and so that just leads me into this question. I wanna leave it with you here. What has the Holy Spirit been leading you to do? What has the Holy Spirit been leading you to do? Chances are God's been ministering to you long before you sat down in these seats. What has God been impressing on your heart to separate from or to step into? It's why I love our next steps, saying next step so much because y'all, we're on a lifelong journey and he's always calling us in deeper to deeper intimacy, deeper fellowship and more fruitful ministry in his name. Man, so good. I could, I could go off on that, but we're gonna stay on track. Now, verse three, I want to reiterate and share something about ascending church. So after they had fasted and prayed or sought God vertically, God gave direction horizontally, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. They obeyed. Third thing I want you to see in this passage, ascending church makes decisions with the kingdom in mind. Ascending church makes decisions with the kingdom in mind. Paul and Barnabas were, Saul and Barnabas were studs. Like they were the best of the best in the early church. Gifted, talented, uh, faithful, fruitful, servant-hearted. Man, they were, they, were, they were awesome. And man, how easy would it be uh, for, for the church of Antioch to say, whoa, 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 listen. Hey, you, you guys, you sure you pray? Because we can build a bomb church right here in Antioch. Paul, we're going to put you on the preaching. We're going to put you leading worship. Uh, Man, we can build a great thing right here in any Why would we send our best people? Why would God uh, tell us to set apart um, the people? Listen, because God desires for our churches to be rivers, not reservoirs. God God desires for our churches to be the conduit of his grace and his power and his blessing. And if we'll be good stewards with his kingdom like this, God will give all the supply we ever need to do what he's called us to do. And I've, I've learned this over and over and over again. And by the way, if you don't know, uh, you're here. We're seeking to be that. This year, we're planting our first church in Wilkinson County. Can we just get a shout, if you're excited about that, that we get to multiply a church? And man, it is my joy and my excitement that they are blazing the trail. But I want you to know something. They're taking people from our church that are gifted, man could not. They love the Lord. They're faithful. They serve. They're they're men and women of integrity. They're generous to the church. And and man, like, uh, and what I've just learned is it is my joy to release them and tell them to go do what God's called you to do because, man, I don't want us to build a name for ourselves. I want us to build a great kingdom for Jesus Christ that Jesus is on the throne of, that they look at and say, man, they were really about it. They were really about making Jesus' name great. Right? Amen. And, and we just see that this is the kind of church that God will anoint and empower. And, and man, for me, you know, I, I see that one, they sent their best. Take it with you. They sent their best. They empowered leaders. Right? That means they placed their hands on them. That's a sense of empowerment, of, I want you to go and do. And man, I made this decision long ago. I've made a pile of mistakes leading this church. I, there's some things that I wish I could go back and change, but I have resolved that I want to trust God, I want to empower people, and we're going to make mistakes moving forward, not sitting still. We're, we're, we just, we're going to be that church. We are going to ruthlessly uh, seek to give God glory and seek to make his name great. And this sending culture, man, I pray it bleeds into all of our DNA that we see that, man, God wants to do a great thing amongst his church and his power rests with the people that that have a heart to see him move and to release his people into the world. And thirdly, I I see this too. The the ones that had been set apart and sent, they courageously trusted God. They courageously went when it would have been so much easier to stay. Would have been so much easier to stay in Antioch. But Saul and Barnabas went and they took the gospel to places where it was not known so that God could be glorified. They love God, they love people and they just set apart to to reach the nations. And that's what he calls us all into. And so I kind of just want to ask you this question. Are you thinking with the kingdom in mind? Are you thinking with the kingdom in mind? And I mean that in every area of that's our discipleship groups, that's our connect groups, that's us as a church. That that man, like uh, we are to we are on borrowed time with where we currently are, and that man, we're going to continue to multiply and send people out. That's the biggest thing I think I run into is a lot of times what keeps kingdom growth from happening is just comfort, right? Discomfort. And man, I love all of you. I I pray for you. I I love you. And man, one day, our current small group, our church, and all the people in it, and as it grows, we're all gonna get to do this every single second of every day for all eternity. There's gonna come a day where this community we love so much, we're gonna do this together all the time. And it, it is gonna be amazing. But until that day, we have a mission to fulfill. And we all have to embrace a mission over me mentality. A mission over me. And God, and I've just repented to God. God, wherever I've missed that in my life, show me. Let me make it right. Because God, I just want to see you move. I want to see you move in our midst. I want to see something happen amongst us that only God can take credit for. And that's how it'll happen. So I want to reiterate that question. Are you thinking with the kingdom in mind? Are we thinking about sending at every level? At every level. And and so as we look, we see that ascending church is devoted to worship and prayer. That it's the Holy Spirit that will send us, not the guilt of man or the whatever. Secondly, we see that the ascending church obeys the Holy Spirit as he prompts. Thirdly, ascending church makes decisions with the kingdom in mind. And lastly, I want you to know, okay, on this Father's Day, the best example of a sender is our heavenly Father, God. And that God did not keep his son to himself, but he freely sent him to earth to die in place for our sin. And when I think about Father's Day, I'll just say it again. The best earthly dad is a shadow of the light of our heavenly father. Then imagine if you have children, think about sending your own son to go and, and suffer on a cross. You have to watch that, to send them out of your, your care, your home heaven, to send them and to suffer on a cross and to die a death, paying the wrath of God. As a father, that is an incredible act of love and courage. Why did God do that? Because he saw me and you dead in our sin and he said, I want them. I want to adopt them. I want to make a way to bring them in. And that's what makes Father's Day special is that our heavenly father gives us the perfect model of what love and sacrifice is. And the way we receive that and we become a child of God, because God's already done that work, the way we become a child of God is to hear that message. It's called the gospel. To say, Yep, I'm a sinner, dead in my sin. I know I need a heavenly father to repent and say, God, I want to receive this free gift from you. And in a moment, you become his child. And that he would love us enough to send his son Jesus to the cross to make way for us so that we can enjoy his presence for all eternity. Every time I say it, man, that's beautiful. And that's what kind of heavenly father we have. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gospel. Thank you that you would send your son out of heaven. You would make the choice to sin, God. You're the perfect example of a missionary, God. Jesus is the perfect example of a missionary. So God, we just thank you for that. And I just have to believe that maybe there's someone today that would say, Buck, I've never, I've never heard it like that. I've never heard it at a heart level, but today I heard it. And, and man, I want that relationship with God. I know I need a relationship with my heavenly father. And the Bible makes it really clear that we admit our sin, we repent of it, and we place our faith in Christ. And it says we will be saved. And so if that's you today, you would say, Buck, that's me. I want to begin a relationship with Jesus. I would just ask you as an extension of faith, would you lift your hand and say, but that's me today. Amen. Lord, for the rest of us, God, I pray as we get ready to worship you in in song and in prayer, God, I pray uh, you, you would just remind us of that. God, we have so much to worship. We have such a great God to worship, Lord. Would you remind us of that? And God, would we enjoy... Your presence, God, I know Father's Day is a, a tough day for so many. Maybe some of us, we've lost our father or, or, or maybe that relationship is unreconciled and it's a difficult day. God, I'm thankful for your presence here in this place. And Lord, I pray for those and I pray you would just love them, wrap them up in your love, God, that you would be so real and so close. But God, they would know you're, they're loved by you. So God, I thank you for your word today. I pray you continue to move and work in our time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message stirred your affections for Jesus. We would love for you to subscribe to the podcast and share it with others. For more information about our church and other resources, please visit ConnectionDublin.com.